more than is possible in a 30-minute um, sermon. So what I would encourage you guys to do, uh, if you're bored, or maybe just do it anyway, uh, open up to Matthew uh, 9.35 and read straight through to 11.1 um, by yourself or, or in a house group or in your Sunday school maybe. And just let the whole weight of that discourse from Jesus to these teenagers just land on you, okay? Like, I, I, can't, I can't go through it all this morning, but just let that whole thing hit you. And you're a teenage boy in the first century, this 30, 32-year-old Jesus is talking to you and saying these things to you. You know, how do you respond um, to that? Uh, second thing before I start... Rod, I just, you have been drumming here for, um, for, so this is not part of the sermon, it just kept coming to me during uh, our singing. Um, Chris Richardson was was our drummer, and he broke his hand, and we're like, we just started that 9 o'clock early service, and this was, this building was a war zone of construction, and that's just an interesting time in our church's life, and we're like, we need, we need a drum, we just started this new service. Um, and I don't remember. Someone's like, go ask Rod Marler. Because, Nelly, you, have you been coming? or I don't remember at all. Anyway, we go to Rod's house, and I don't know Rod from, from anyone besides when he was our neighbor, and I, but I was afraid of adults, so I didn't know him. <laughs> we go over there. Chris broke his hand. We gave him a CD, I think. We're like, hey, can you play these songs? And I don't know who Rod is. I just was told he was drumming. I was like, yeah, if you could just keep the beat. <laughs> that would be great. Not knowing uh, that Rod is Dave Grohl and whoever else you want to put in there. Rod, you are just a fantastic and anointed drummer and musician. You have just led us so well for uh, a long time. So I just felt that from the Lord. You you rock, literally. Okay, verse 16. Things get much less happy. Now... Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. <sighs> Beware of men, they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness to before them uh, and to the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, though, don't be anxious about what you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death. Father, his child, his children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end, he'll be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will have not gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house, Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing that is covered will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, you say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who has power to kill both the soul and the body in hell." Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than sparrows. 
So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in the heavens. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. But I have come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little cups or one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is God's word. We're just going to pick through it. All right. He begins, behold, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So what does that look like? Looks like being flogged in the synagogue by the Jewish leadership. Okay, five times this happens to Paul because Paul is under the authority of the synagogue. Paul is and, and others are dragged before Gentile leadership. That's what it looks like to be sent out as sheep among wolves. It looks like being hated by all families, friends, and towns, verses 21 through 23. It looks like being told you have a demon, verse 25. It looks like participating, especially for them in, in the first century, the division that Jesus has come to bring to the earth. And, and so to sum up, to be sent out as sheep among wolves looks like verses 38 and 39. Like you can sum up the whole thing. It looks like taking up a cross, following Jesus, and losing your life. I'm sending you out to do, to do that. Teenager. Okay. These are the instructions that, that God gives to a, a group of young men um, under 30. And so the point in that whole discourse is that according to Jesus, who, you know, we put some weight on things Jesus says as believers. According to Jesus, persecution and proclamation are, are inseparable. Okay, they are generally one in the same, especially for um, this, these men. It was true for these disciples here, and, it, and it's generally true for disciples after 2 Timothy 3.12. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. Matthew 5.11 and 12, that we spent so much time on. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil about you falsely, on account of Jesus, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Acts fourteen twenty two. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So this is how Paul defends his own ministry. Okay, as you start to read through the letters and even look at Paul's movements in the book of Acts, he defends his ministry, the, the authenticity of his ministry, not first with his message. Okay, in Galatians he says, guys, I went out into the desert and Jesus himself taught this to me. But in the rest of his letters, he defends his apostleship by listing his sufferings. Okay, by lifting up his shirt and showing them the scars on his back. You guys are questioning whether I'm an apostle. Check these out. Like this, this is how you know First First Corinthians four nine through thirteen is, I think, the funniest passage in the entire Bible. Okay, so. Context of 1 Corinthians, these so-called super apostles are 
putting their credentials up against Paul, saying, listen to us, don't listen to Paul, and Paul just mocks them. Okay, it's, it, he, you know, basically saying, oh, you guys are already kings. You guys are already rich. Oh, the saints are reigning already? You guys are so honored. You're so strong. It must be great to be you. Me and others like me, we envy you guys. We're scum of the earth compared to you. And he's mocking them. You know, he's, the saints aren't reigning already. You guys are not already kings. Like, no, we walk, this is how apostles walk. And, and so I just put that out there to say for all disciples of Jesus, okay, because we're going to hold up Paul as as. Paul and Jesus as Jesus, suffering and persecution is not happening because they are sinning, right? Normally when hard things in our life happen, we think, man, I must be doing something wrong, which could be the case. But for the apostles and for Jesus, it's happening not because they're sinning or not following Jesus. Their suffering and their persecution is because of of Jesus. Okay? (laughs) Like, I am sending you out. As sheep among wolves. I'm the one throwing you in into the bloodthirsty pit. Okay? See, I, I'm sending you out, and the, you know, disciples, and, and we would go to the pasture, right? Besides still waters, right? And he goes, no, I'm, I'm sending you out to the valley of the shadow of, of death, to the wolves. That's why we read Psalm 23. He leads us in both places, and it's him leading them in um both scenarios, okay? So proclamation, being a disciple, an ambassador for our King Jesus, for these people, definitely, for us, likely, in the future, okay? It involves persecution. And it involves saying, okay, and well, I'm getting ahead. It involves saying this is worth it to inherit eternal eternal life, okay? So suffering is not all that it means to be a, a disciple, right? That's not the whole bit, but it's definitely a big bit. Jesus sends them out as they are, right? Helpless sheep to suffer for his name, to suffer for um, his sake. But Jesus does not send them out alone, right? Let's just go out and I'll see you when I see you. He doesn't send them out alone. He gives them at least three things. And this is kind of the bulk of what I want us to see here. First, these men will go out as sheep, but they will go out as sheep with the spirit of God on them. They will go out with the Spirit of God in them. When, when they deliver you over, okay? So when, not if. When they deliver you over, don't be anxious about what you are to speak. Don't be anxious about what you are to say. And so I'm, you know, hearing this, teenage Josh, hearing this, saying, are you kidding me? Don't worry about what I'm supposed to say. Don't worry about what I'm, I'm supposed to speak. We can't bring any money with us. We can't bring a staff with us. We can't bring shoes with us. We can't book a hotel, Right? All the stuff from last week. And we're going to go tell this group of of prideful and presumptuous Jews that they can't simply trust in their ethnicity to inherit eternal life. In fact, all people need to turn to God in repentance and humility in order to inherit eternal life and be saved from the wrath of God on the day of the Lord. We're going to go tell people that. And we're going to go tell Gentile kings that they have to stop worshiping their pantheon of gods and turn only to the God of Israel. And it's going to cost them a lot of money and power and, and lifestyle and all this stuff. And tell them that if they don't, they'll get thrown into a lake of fire, and you don't want us to prep for that. You know, like, come on, Jesus. Okay, but but why does he tell them not to worry about what they're to say or what to speak? Verse 19, for what you are to say will be given to you. When? In that hour. He's going to do this 
for you on your behalf. So when you are in the synagogue or before Gentile kings, the Spirit of God will come upon you like the prophets of old, and you will speak the words of God. For it's not you who speak, verse 20, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Like This is just how it, it works. So Jesus says clearly, when you stand before a hostile audience, you will be filled with the Spirit. Why? In order to bear witness to the gospel, in order to bear witness to Jesus. And so you read this here in Matthew 10, you read the, uh, the next commission in Matthew uh, 28, Jesus sends them out, and then they go out, right? This is the book of Acts. You know what happens every single time they are before a hostile audience? Whether that's a synagogue or a Gentile king, what do you think happens? I think Matthew 10, 20 happens every single time. So Acts 2, they are filled with the Spirit. They speak in different languages. Peter preaches this banger of a sermon. And three, over 3,000 people turn to the Lord in repentance, are baptized, and, and join the assembly. Okay, Just like Jesus said, Acts 2. They're filled with the Spirit. And then what, what happens next? They bear witness to Jesus. Acts 4, 8. They're filled with the Spirit, this time without tongues, and they bear witness to Jesus. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and the elders, just like Matthew 10 said, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, and that there's salvation in no one else, there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter didn't plan that. Peter didn't have his tablet out in front of these rulers and elders. Going, okay, let me get my notes here. No, he's in the front of a hostile audience, and the Spirit of God speaks through him to bear witness to Jesus, whom you crucified, who he raised, who's coming back to judge the living and the dead. Acts 4.29, they're filled with the Spirit, no tongues this time, spoke the word of God boldly. And now look upon this, and this is Acts 4.29, is so cool. Now look upon their threats, so we've got a hostile audience, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, it's just Acts 2 again, but in Acts 4, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and what happened? They continue to speak the word of God with all boldness. Acts 19, Acts 9, Paul is filled with the spirit, okay, and then astonishes this hostile synagogue and bears witness that Jesus is the Messiah. Acts 13, they're again filled with the spirit. It's the last time they're filled with the spirit in Acts, and, and God pronounces judgment, and, and through the spirit of God, Paul pronounces judgment on the wizard guy. I don't know how else to describe this guy. He's a wizard. Um, and, and people see this, and then people believe in Jesus. Paul's filled with the Spirit to proclaim, to, to, he didn't plan it, the Spirit of God comes on him and he proclaims. So whenever disciples of Jesus are in a situation where they need to bear witness to Jesus, bear witness to the gospel, the Father sends the Spirit to fill them, just like Jesus said he would. Like, and I'm, you know, I just think it would be cool to be, you're the disciples in Matthew 10, you're the same disciples, in, you know, all the way through Acts, and every time this happens, you're kind of looking at each other like, remember what he said in Matthew 10? <laughs> he just did it again, and you're like, winking at him up on the throne, and like, hey, you, you did it, it's what you said you would do. We keep getting beat, not a huge fan of it, 
But every time we stand before a hostile audience, we're filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of our Father speaks through us, and we bear witness that you are the Lord, and you are coming uh, again. So as just a simple application for, for disciples in Tonkawa, not in first century Israel, with a very different, more difficult, stranger context, as an application for us, when you find yourself with an opportunity in a situation to bear witness to Jesus, just pray a little easy, simple prayer. God, fill me with the Spirit. Because every time a disciple is filled with the Spirit, what do they do? They bear witness. The Spirit of the Father speaks through them. And it's given to you in that hour what you are to say. Pray that prayer and, and then do it. Then just do it. Okay? It's a little longer than Holy Spirit help. Okay? But it's the, it's the same thing. Jesus says, this, you're going to go out. Don't worry about what you have to say. The Spirit of your Father is going to speak through you and give you words. And again, this for us, probably not going to happen before Gentile kings. Even more unlikely, this hap- you know, if, if anyone in this room today is ever in a synagogue <laughs> having to bear witness, I think the Spirit's going to fill you and you're going to bear witness. You know what I mean? Okay, the application is the same though. You're sent out. It's going to be hard. You will suffer, but do not be anxious. The spirit of your father will speak through you. Okay, so that's the first thing that Jesus sends them out with. Sheep among wolves, but sheep among wolves with the power and the promise of the spirit given to them to bear witness so that people will actually turn from their sins, trust in Jesus as the Messiah, and at the day of the Lord, actually be saved. Okay, that, that's first. But second and third... Jesus sends these, again, teenagers out um, just like a horse with a carrot and a stick. Okay, you guys know, okay, you ride a horse. And I've, I've never actually seen this done in real life, only in cartoons. You get on the horse and they have the stick with a carrot on it. And the horse just follows the carrot because it wants the reward. But also if the horse won't go, they have a stick and they hit it. No? Okay, I thought... We, you guys have seen a horse before, right? We're in Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the carrot is, escal- esca- is, is reward, okay, at, at the day of the Lord. And the stick is judgment and punishment at, at the day of the Lord. So eschatology, how things work out in the end, that drives discipleship. Okay? Reward and, and punishment at the last day drives discipleship. So first, in terms of judgment, okay, in, for, in terms of the stick to move. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Okay? That's a big stick. All right? So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Big stick. Okay? Like... The fear of that, the trembling of that, that Jesus doesn't lie, that's a negative mechanism to make the horse go, right? To get that thing thing moving. You're going to be tempted as you are sent out as sheep among wolves. You're going to be tempted to take the easy road, okay? You're going to be tempted to succumb to the comforts of this age. You know what I mean? Like these men didn't have to do this. Jesus sent them out and they could have like gone, you know, far enough and then gotten a hotel and be like, okay, I'll pick them up on the way back. They didn't have to do this, but they've got this negative mechanism of the killing the, the death of my body and soul in hell and the denial of, of the Father. To, and so they're going to be tempted to deny Jesus to save their reputation. They're going to be tempted to deny Jesus because of all the family dynamics that are going on here. You know, when we read through that, like, 
mother-in-law versus daughter-in-law. Like, well, obviously. (laughs) All this stuff's going on. You'd be tempted to to, to just negate it if, if you can. But Jesus says, don't do it. Don't do it. Denying the Lord in the midst of persecution means he will deny you at the judgment. Okay? And on the same token, you know, not in this kind of context. Denying the Lord now. Okay? I don't know who all of you are. Living living your life now denying that he is the Lord. Denying that he is the Savior. Denying that, that he actually did die for sins. And if you will trust in him, you will inherit eternal life. Denying that, you will also be denied. And your soul and your body will be killed in hell on the last day. The gospel comes with a big stick. Okay? And so if, if that's who you are, that's the state of your heart right now. Don't leave today with that being the case. Okay? If you're sitting next to a member of our church, they can tell you what it means to trust in Jesus. They can tell you what it means to repent of your sins and to follow him along that narrow path. If the person you're sitting next to smells and you don't want to talk to them, you can talk to me or any of our elders who I can't. We might smell, too, but we want to tell you, flee the coming wrath. Okay, don't don't have yourself destroyed in hell on the last day. Instead, inherit eternal life. It's a big stick, and it's a real stick, and we need to talk about it and think about it and tremble before it. That this is, if you deny him, he will deny you, actually, okay? But it's not all stick, okay? And it's not even mostly stick, I don't think. The end, how things work out positively, also drives your discipleship, okay? I'm, I'm going out as a sheep among wolves to be obedient to Jesus because I don't want to get thrown into a lake of fire. But I'm also going out because I want to inherit eternal life. That's a big, big carrot. Do horses even like carrots? I don't, is that a thing? I don't know. Maybe you have cake on the end of that stick. Oh. Go after that thing. Verse 22, positively, the fuel to go out this way, no matter what happens, is is salvation. Verse 22, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Right? Not saved out of persecution, clearly. These men weren't. You guys have a Google machine. Just say, how did did the disciples end up? Okay? Not great. Okay? Most of them died violent deaths. It ends up great, for sure, but... They weren't saved out of persecution. They weren't saved out of hardship. They weren't saved out of suffering. Like that, that didn't happen to them. No, salvation for them, for a first century Jew, salvation is inheriting eternal life on the last day. The one who endures to the end will be raised from the dead to live forever in the kingdom of God. Okay, so if you endure to the end, if you set your face like flint, if you follow Jesus, you carry that banner of his message, even unto death, you will be saved from what? From the present evil age. Okay, from this body of death unto eternal life. If you live for the age to come, Jesus says, you'll gain the age to come. Right? And if you live for this age, all you will gain is, is this age. You have your reward. Right? Back to the Sermon on the Mount. Right? Yeah, you can live for this age. That's fine. That's all you get. But if you live for the age to come, you get raised from the dead. You get to live forever. The dwelling place of God is with man. No more sorrow, sadness, suffering, sickness, death anymore. Okay? It's, so obviously it's worth it to follow Jesus. So, so the point is eschatology, the, the age to come, being raised from the dead to dwell forever with God and with God's people. That is Jesus' choice of fuel for their tank. Okay? I want these guys to go out, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be difficult. Their family's going to hate them. 
Towns are going to hate him. Some of them will be killed. How, how, what's Jesus' mechanism for getting them there? Oh, how about if you guys do this, you get eternal life. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's worth it to gain eternal life. Matthew 19, to these same men. Peter says, see, we have left everything and followed you. So this is after Matthew 10. <laughs> We've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, okay, in the regeneration, in the age to come, in the resurrection, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, who's he talking to? Uh, uh, 12, 11 Jewish guys, one of them doesn't make it. You who endure to the end. You who denied yourselves, you who carried a cross, literally, Peter, you who chose to leave your father and mother, you who chose to cling to me alone, you, if you follow me, you will also sit on 12 thrones, judging, deliberating, ruling the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. How's that for a carrot? That horse is going to run, right? That that horse is going to move. Go out as sheep among wolves, but don't for one second believe you're getting shorted on anything. You're not. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. He says that. If they kill me, if they they call the master of the house a demon, they're going to call you a demon. But Jesus later, if I rise from the dead, you will rise from the dead. Right, we we share our we we sang that that song. All my life is wholly bound to His. Okay, positively, that's the resurrection, but that also means cross. For my life is wholly bound to His. For the disciples, for the apostles, that meant a cross. For you, that means a cross. We don't get to skip into glory without walking through the suffering. That's just not how it works for disciples of Jesus. Not how it worked for Abraham, not how it worked for Moses, not how it worked for Jesus, not how it worked for Paul. What makes you special? You know what I mean? But if he is risen from the dead, your life is bound to his. You too will raise for the dead. Okay, so it, it, Jesus' point is it is worth it. All of these sufferings, all uh, Paul, I, mean, I feel like every single sermon, every Sunday, every small group, every conversation you ever have with someone we, we got to do Paul says all of these moments, all of these afflictions all of these sufferings all of these hardships all the, the junk of this age Paul says it's momentary and it's light and it doesn't compare with the eternal weight of glory that's to come Amen. that's the driver for all of our discipleship guys that's the <laughs> that's how you get through this age is that's real this is light and momentary it feels big and it's light. It's, it's momentary. That's 80 billion years, endless ages. This is maybe 80. Okay? So lose this life is Jesus' instructions to them. Go ahead. Lose it. And you gain the age to come. Okay? Have this mind among yourselves. So, I talked to... Where's my... Reese? Is that our, our small group this week? Um, at our house group? Where Reese... Uh, <laughs> You guys, have you guys ever been to Huhat or Sakura or whatever? Reese was a, an Asian chef this week with his walk. Um, and uh, so we're, we're talking about Matthew 10 and, and the different stuff in there. And I'm, I'm reading Matthew 10 all, you know, the last, what, three weeks? Reading it all, all this week. And I'm thinking, you know, 
I'm not a disciple in the first century. My life is very different from, from theirs. And you might be thinking the same thing. You know, you're, you're a teacher or, or a farmer or you're retired or, or whatever. Right? Our, our neighbors at present are not killing us for our message. Okay? You know, if they are, call the police. <laughs> um, it's not likely right now that, that we will be held before governors and kings. You know what I mean? Like to, to try and get a one-to-one obedience thing here with the disciples is a little bit difficult for an American in 2022. And so if Jesus says, this is what they're going to go through to inherit eternal life, my question that I'm kind of wrestling is, well, how am I going to inherit eternal life? No one's trying to kill me for this. I get paid for this. You know what I mean? It's a good question if you're asking it. If you're reading the the exploits and the instructions of Jesus to, to the apostles and you're like, that doesn't match my life. Um, so two, two ways to answer that. How do we as people in Tonkawa inherit eternal life first, regardless of our cultural situation? This is still the mindset. Okay, Whether or not you die as a martyr, you, you live with a martyr mentality. Now, before it comes to that. Does that make sense? Like the, this, this kind of stuff might not ever hit you. But you have this mind among yourself now in Christ Jesus that when it does come, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Okay, I, I'm going to rely on the Spirit, cry out for the mercy of God, and I'm going to walk through these things and not shrink back. You do that now. It, it's faithfulness to Jesus, carrying a cross no matter what the cost. Their cost is much higher than ours is. But even if, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? We do this. Second, okay, first have the mindset. Second, Though Jesus frames these men, and, and, and the rest of the New Testament frames these men as, as like the poster children for discipleship. Okay, What does it mean to follow Jesus, carrying a cross, not loving our lives, unto death, dying like these men? That's, that's the goal. That's the ideal. Though he does do that, he also sets the bar very low. Verse 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water... Because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, that person will by no means lose his reward. So how do I inherit eternal life? How do I obey Matthew 10? Uh, For our context, guys, mostly focusing on verse 42. Every part of our life, this loving and serving our spouse, not exasperating our children, loving our neighbors. Ali, you meet with Rachel for Bible study once a week. You'll by no means lose your reward. You know what I mean? Uh, serving in, in the, the food pantry, Gloria, no one's trying to kill you. I mean, they've got angry before, but you know I mean? no one's trying to kill you. But you do that unto the Lord, cup of cold water in his name, you'll by no means lose your reward. On the last day, you get raised to life using your, your creative gifts. Right? I think that's why. That's why I wanted to talk about your drumming. No one's trying to kill you. Now, in the early days, it was pretty loud, and they wanted to. <laughs> but you use, you use your creative gifts to serve, to serve the Lord. That's a cup of cold water. You by no means use... Where's Barry at? <laughs> Barry's somewhere. It's just a funny thing. Barry changed a ballast in the Baptist church. <laughs> and I thought, we're just rolling on. Same old, same old. <laughs> Barry changes a ballast unto the Lord. By no means lose his reward. Barry gets raised from the dead on the last day. 
God, changing a diaper. Moms and anyone who serves in the, in the nursery, you guys do that unto the Lord. It, he counts it. He doesn't forget it. A cup of cold water in my name, because he's a disciple, will by no means lose his reward. The bar is incredibly low, is what I'm saying. Lose your life even unto death. Parents hate you, towns hate you, the whole bit. Also, you guys just give a cup of cold water in my name. He will by no <laughs> Anything in your life you've done unto the Lord matters for the next billion years. So as we go out, if I could have the music team come up. As we go out into a culture, again, far removed from the culture of Matthew 10. Just three things to remember. Carry the same message that they carry and trust in the Spirit to empower you and embolden you. Okay? I'm just expecting the Lord to put you guys in situations this week where you can tell someone about the gospel. And you can tell someone, hey, you know, things aren't going to be like this forever. And if you put your trust in Jesus' cross, you can inherit that. That's going to come, that opportunity will come to you this week, and the Spirit's going to fill you, and you're going to bear witness to Jesus. Okay? Second, endure hardship, even unto death. Okay? Endure hardship, even unto death. Probably not going to come unto death for you guys, but endure it anyway. And then the last thing, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When he appears, all of this done unto him will be worth it. Uh, Helen, you're praying First uh, Timothy 4, I finished the race. I, I mean, you just took me to heaven. I, I mean, I, I, you're praying that, and I'm looking at all my gray hairs like, they're finishing the race. They're, they're doing it, and when he appears... You guys won't say, you know, I wish I'd served Jesus less. You know? <laughs> no, you say it's all worth it. If I could go back and do it again, I'd, I'd serve him even more. Okay. Maranatha. We changed our service order. I don't know what we're supposed to do next. I know I want to pray for you, though. Yeah. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Have our elders come up. Our kids can come back in. Okay, so we're not in first century Israel. We are in, what century is this? 21st century Tonkawa. Um, but we want to have the same heart as uh, these men. So our elders are going to be be up here. And if uh, just as a response to this, if you say, you know, my heart is not doing that Matthew 10 stuff, but I want to. Um, you can come and pray with an elder. We want to lay hands on you and pray for that. That you would have this Matthew 10, even unto death, no matter what, endure to the end to be saved mentality. We'll pray for you for that. Your neighbor can pray with you for that. Or you can come and pray for anything else. Okay, the, the goal here is to pray. All right. So I'm going to pray for everyone. First, Father, we, uh, we come.